You're listening to Words of Encouragement, the preaching ministry from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Winsboro, Louisiana. Today, the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel. On Words of Encouragement. We're looking at the great stories of the Bible, and I found this one depiction of the uh, Tower of Babel. Uh, kind of like a ziggurat is what they were thinking that it looked like. Uh, but these, these stories, these great stories of the Bible need to be taught to your children and your grandchildren. Do you, did you have a children's uh, Bible storybook in your house? How many of you had something like that? Had it for your children? Maybe it was for you. Maybe your parents had one for you. It is, I think every house should have one. I think every child should begin to learn the stories of the Bible. And it, why? Why do I believe that? Well, preacher, you're a preacher. That's why. No, no. Because these stories, these storybooks break down the language of the Bible to where a child can understand it. And it introduces them to the word of God and the ways of God. It helps them to know how God works. It helps them to know that God loves them. It helps them to see that God works through people in the world. Later when they can read, oh, you better believe it, they better have a copy of God's Word that they can call their own. They better have a Bible of their own that they can read on their own. This morning we turn our attention to the story of the Tower of Babel. If you are able and can, and I would invite you to stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God from Genesis chapter 11, verse 4. The Bible says... They said, Come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven and let us make for ourselves a name. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Interesting. May God bless the reading of His Word. I invite you to be seated this morning. A plan, first, we see, is devised to build a tower. Uh, The Bible tells us now the whole world used the same language and the same words. Wow, really? Yes, at one time, that's what happened. Literally, the Hebrew is translated, I like this, the people were all of one lip and of words one. I love it. I love it. When you really dig into to what the words are, what the Hebrew says, that's what it says. They were all of one lip and of words one. I love doing looking into the language sometimes. It's, it reveals some interesting things. But we, of course, are more comfortable with saying one are the same language and of one speech are the same words. So what do we understand from this verse, though? Well, the whole world is using the same language and the same vocabulary. Language is a huge unifying factor, is it not? If you ever leave our country or go to a place where English is not the predominantly uh, spoken language, you feel a little bit out of place. Uh, And when you do hear English, you're like, oh, somebody speaks English. And as we would say from the South, they must be from America. Oh my goodness, look, an American speaking American. (laughs) And the English teachers shuddered. (laughs) 
We speak English. We don't speak American. But that, that we, we gravitate. I mean, if, you're, if you've ever been to another country, wow, you hear English and you're like, oh, 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 hey, wonder where they're from. Wonder where they're from. Listen to the accent. And we, 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 we want to know who, where they're from. They're, but when you are in a country and there's nobody speaking English but you, and you are surrounded by people, and someone comes up to you and starts speaking to you and looks you in the face and is serious about what they're saying, and you have no idea what they're saying, it's one of the most frustrating feelings ever. Think about, uh, well, on the mission trip to Brazil. One of the ladies, I love this lady. She seemed, she seemed like a wonderful lady. She had a little girl. I've shared with you about her little girl. Um, uh, just kind of a take charge little girl. Uh, just tough, tough little girl. Uh, but she came to me and she started t- talking to me. And I was like, ah, you keep talking, but I don't know what you're saying. Um, and I had to get a translator. And finally, we've worked that out. But it... it that's, that's frustrating. But language is a, a unifying factor, but it's also a dividing factor. At this point, the people of the known inhabited world all spoke the same language with the same words. Uh, there may have been a few other groups around that area, uh, but they were believed to have been in small number. Look at verse 2. It says, It came about as they journeyed east, or journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there, or uh, dwelt there. This group journeyed. Uh, and found a place, and they dwelt right there. Look at verses 3 and 4. They said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone. There's no stone, but there's bricks because they made the bricks. And they used uh, tar for mortar. They said, Come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven, and let us make it for ourselves a name. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. So there is a concern in these people that they do not want to be scattered. So it makes me think that there is an idea in their heads that they are going to be scattered. They know that's something that is going to take place, but they're wanting to prevent that. And they want to build a big city and a tower. Now these, uh, they're on the plains. They build these bricks uh, that had to be uh, dried before they could use them. They used tar for mortar. Can you imagine? This took a long time. This was a lot of effort put into this building. Did you catch something else? Uh, they, I've already brought it up, they, the, the part about the scattering. They must have had some kind of concern about being scattered over the face of the earth. Could this actually be the first case of separation anxiety? I don't know, just throwing it out there, I don't know. But they did not want to be scattered. They did not want to be scattered. They were taking measures to prevent this from happening. In Genesis chapter 9, verse 7, it says, uh, As for you, be fruitful and multiply, populate or swarm the earth abundantly and multiply in it. This is what God wants to happen. He wants the people to spread across the face of the earth. He, earth, he wants them to multiply in it. He wants them to produce children. Scholars and I feel as well feel that they are, these people are going against the command of God in building this tower and building this city. They're going against this. They don't want to scatter, so they want to stay together. Uh, they, they don't want to be scattered around the earth. This story could point to the danger of human pride or the consequences of being disobedient to God's will. It can also serve as a warning against limiting God or attempting to bring Him down to the level of hum- humanity. 
Some people felt, some scholars feel like they were trying to bring God down to them. Some feel they were trying to go up to God. Some feel that there was a pride that they were, that they were, that they had, that they could build something so magnificent that they could all be together and everything would be built by their hands. Notice they wanted to build a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. What were the people doing? They were overstepping God to be in charge of their lives. They did not want to be scattered abroad upon the face of the earth. They didn't want to do that. They didn't want to do that. They wanted to do what they wanted to do. Here we are again with man wanting to do what he wants to do. Not what God wants him to do, but what he wants to do. And we fight this all of our lives, don't we? We want to do what we want to do. We don't want to do what God wants to do. God wants us to do this, but this would be better. Oh, really? This would be better. You know better than God. Okay. Tell me how that works for you. Have you ever overstepped God on your way to getting something you wanted? Have you ever overstepped God in going for something you wanted? I know God wants this, but I want this. The second thing we see, the tower plan is inspected by God. The tower, uh, this one, John MacArthur says this, he says, the tower would not actually reach the abode of God and the top would not represent the heavens. They wanted it to be a high tower as a monument to their abilities, one that would enhance their fame. In this endeavor, they disobeyed God and attempted to steal His glory. Now that is something God does not share. He will not share His glory with us in that we receive because of His glory. No, He gets the glory. The glory goes to God in what He has done. Look at verse 5. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of man had built. I love that. It kind of gives us some direction. Uh, the, The people are building a tower going up and the writer tells us that the Lord came down to this city And to this tower, look at verse 6. The Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have the same language. And this is what they began to do. And now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. The people were so united that they could do whatever they wanted to do. According to Bible scholar Robert Burgeon, he says this, God's concern that nothing the people might plan to do would be impossible for them does not express a divine fear that humans someday might be as powerful as God. That's not what God is not saying, oh, I'm scared they could be more powerful than us. Rather, it conveys dismay that people unchecked would undertake extraordinary deeds of evil and defiance. Unchecked, people do what they want to do. Amen? Amen? Look, look, make a note. God sees you. God holds your head in His hands and says, I see you. I see you. I'm not here to scare you, but I want you to know that I see you. I see what you do. I see, I, I, I know your thoughts. I saw how you reacted yesterday. I saw how you treated that person the day before. I see you. God says to us, I see you. He knows what you're doing. He lovingly watches you do that which is against His will. He loves you, but He's watching as we sin against Him. Whenever people go unchecked, various things can happen. I remember watching a show that had two children at a table. 
Two children at a table. The man walked in and said, okay, look, I'm going to put this candy right here on the table. Now I've got to go do something. I'm going to be right back. Do not touch the candy. Okay, don't touch the candy. So the man left the room. Well, they had a camera. They're watching. And the boys looked at each other. And finally, one of them took some candy, gave it to the other one, and they ate it. The man came back and said, where's the candy? What happened to the candy? And one of the boys looked at the other and said, he did it. He took it. He, did, he ate it. And I thought, oh my goodness, look at this. Unchecked. You never know what's going to happen. You never know what's, no supervision whatsoever. You just never know what's going to happen. Now you and I think, well now we're big enough boys and girls to be able to handle things, handle life. We don't need supervision. We don't need somebody watching us. We can handle our lives by ourselves. Really? Go to the detention center. Ask some of them how things worked out for them when they decided they were going to handle life by themselves without help from anyone else. Look, you and I as Christians, you and I as children of God, we need the supervision of God. We need the watch care of God. We need Him watching over us. We need to know that He is watching because hopefully it will determine how we act and live our lives. None of us are unwatched or unsupervised if we're His children. His Holy Spirit points us in the right direction at all times. Do we listen? That's the question. Do we listen to Him? Do we do what He is telling us to do? Are you aware that God is watching all you're doing? He's watching. Are you aware of this though? Think about this. Let that sit and simmer on the stove of your mind for a little bit. On the stove of your heart, let that sit there. God is aware of everything you and I do. When my grandfather passed away, my granddaddy Hill, when he passed away, I suddenly had this fear. What if I do something wrong? My granddaddy's going to see it. Odd thing, odd thought, I don't know. But then I realized, oh my goodness, wait a minute, God is bigger than my granddaddy and He's the one I need to please. Oh boy, wait a minute, God is seeing everything I do. Wow. The next thing we see, God makes a decision about the tower. Look at verse 7. Come, let us go down and, and there confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. Uh-oh. Notice God decides to do something about this tower. Something of note from the Hebrew comes uh, in this. The word for brick, translated brick, it has the sounds, these sound sequences in Hebrew of L-B-N, L-B-N, which means to rebel against God. Now that's the word for brick has this sound sequence in it, L-B-N. All right, listen to this. God created confusion, a Hebrew word containing N-B-L means to reverse the evil human plot. I thought that was interesting, a little pun from God Himself right there in the Scripture, a little, a little, a little grammatical jab there. Interesting. But look at verse, the first part of verse 8. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over... Until that sin is dealt with. God has made a way for your sin to be dealt with. That's the, that's the good news. By trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, you can be made right in the relationship with God. If you have asked God to forgive you, then you are forgiven. If you sin after that, God is not 
He has not moved from your presence, but you have moved from his. He waits for you to admit, to confess, and agree with him that you have sinned. And once your sin is mentioned, it can be managed, it can be turned away from. Where are you with God? Have you ever, have you ever asked him to forgive you and to come into your life? Maybe you're a Christian and you're dealing with sin. You've allowed sin to come into your life and mess up your relationship with God. Maybe it's been a long time since you've talked to God and you really felt like you heard from Him. Maybe it's a sin problem. Maybe it's a sin issue. Maybe it's something you need to deal with. Maybe it's something that God is giving you an opportunity to deal with. What have you done? He knows what you've done, but He's asking so that you can respond to Him so that you can confess your sin, so that you can be in right relationship with him again? Will you speak to him about your sin? Will you turn from it so that he can have the relationship he wants to have with you, so that you can have the relationship that you said you wanted to have with him when you said to him, come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, be in charge of my life. I want to walk with you, God, day after day. Do you want that relationship? Do you want to be in such a relationship that when you talk to the Lord, you actually hear from Him? Maybe it's a sin problem. Maybe there's a sin that you need to confess. Maybe there's something you need to talk to the Lord about. May I encourage you to do that today? Sin affects our worship of God, and sin affects our relationship with God. It's a very serious matter this sin oh what did the preacher preach on preached on sin what was he for it or against it he was against it yeah because God's against it God's against it and sin is no trivial matter we cannot play with sin we cannot act like oh we'll just dabble here a little bit and it will be okay no it will not be okay because it alters it changes our relationship with our heavenly father who loves us so much and who made it possible for our sins to be forgiven he made it possible for us to live in a way that pleases him not discourages him not disappoints him so where are you with god today do you need to talk to him about your sin? Is there something that's just been bothering you and you need to talk to him? Talk to him. Don't be afraid to talk to him. He's not going to... He's not going. <laughs> when you come to the Lord and you say, God, he is not going to say, uh, excuse me, who are you? If you're one of his children, he knows who you are. He's not going to act like he does. He's not going to do that kind of thing. You know how we do that jokingly with each other? Who are you? I hadn't seen you in forever. I don't even remember who you are. He, God does, God's not going to pull that on us. He waits for us to come to him. He longs for us to come to him. Will you come to him? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today by way of prayer. We come to you in this form of communication that you have made possible for us. All we have to do is call on your name and you are listening. Father, if there's someone here today that is dealing with a sin, Lord, maybe they came, they, they didn't, they've not kept a short, you know, a short list with you. They've not, they've, they, they've not uh, confessed their sins to you and, and it's troubling to them. Maybe they've 
maybe they've carried it for a long time. And they know that they need to talk with you. Father, I pray that right now they would. Lord, that they would take some time to tune me out and to talk to you and deal with the sin. Lord, our relationship with you is the most important relationship that we could ever have. And Lord, you want it to be a good one. You want it to be a consistently good relationship. And so, Father, if we need to deal with something with you today, I pray that we would do it. Lord, that we wouldn't put it off. That we wouldn't say, well, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it when I feel like it. Father, help us to understand how important a relationship with you is. Maybe there's someone here today that is thinking, you know what? I, I feel the Lord is... The Lord is leading me to join this church. Maybe I've been, maybe you've been coming to this church for years. Maybe you've been coming for a mo- for a moment, just a, a few moments. But if the Lord is leading you to join this church, I pray that you would. Maybe you need to spend this time during this uh, offertory, this, uh, or this not the offertory, this this hymn of response. Maybe you need to spend this time during this hymn of response talking to the Lord. Would you do that? Father, thank you so much for your love and for your grace and for your forgiveness. God, we don't deserve any of it, and yet you love us and you share it with us. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Words of Encouragement. We hope that uh, this has been a time of encouragement for you, an encouragement to decide uh, about your relationship with God, a, a time of encouragement to think before you speak or before you act. My prayer is that you are in a day-to-day relationship with Jesus. For more information, you can go to fbcwinsboro.com. That's fbcwinsboro.com. And you'll find a link over on the right-hand side about how to have peace with God, how to have a relationship with Him. My prayer is that you will strongly consider that decision to walk with Jesus. My prayer today for you is that you have been encouraged. Until next time, I hope that you find a church home of your own. If not, and you're in Louisiana, of course, just come and see us. Remember, God loves you. He knows what you're going through, and He cares that He can also do something about it. Until next time, this has been Words of Encouragement.